other people from God. And that's the battle that we're engaged in even now. And so we need weapons of righteousness. We need spiritual weapons to engage in this battle rightly. And I would like us to think about the disciplines of Lent, the traditional disciplines of Lent, spiritual disciplines as weapons of righteousness. Um, So things like prayer, which is the fundamental spiritual discipline, a prayer relationship with God, meditating on the word of God, letting the word of God, the scripture become part of your thinking and your life. Prayer, scripture reading, meditating on scripture, memorizing scripture, fasting, self-examination, repentance, confession, solitude, practicing solitude, which is so hard to do in our very noisy age, but it's so necessary for our soul to unplug and to think about our life before God. These are traditional spiritual practices, not only during Lent, but of course, all throughout the year. But during Lent, we we focus on these things to make a a connection or reconnect with God. And so these spiritual disciplines are so important as we are in this spiritual battle uh, for our soul and for the sake of other people. Dallas Willard writes this about the spiritual disciplines. Listen to what he says. Spiritual disciplines are activities we undertake to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. More effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. And then he goes on. They make us capable of receiving more of Christ's life and power. I don't know about you, but I could use more of the life of Christ in my life and certainly more of the power of Christ. And so these spiritual disciplines, these weapons of righteousness, help us in that regard. Part of it is, uh, is, is, is to take up these weapons of righteousness to fight the battle for ourselves, For ourselves. Because, uh, you know, in a, in a few minutes we'll be quoting from Psalm 51 and... and, um, and I'm sure all of us have felt the way that David feels when he's writing Psalm 51. Maybe some people are even here tonight feeling like what David felt when he wrote Psalm 51. You know what the circumstances of this psalm is? It's after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Bathsheba's husband killed. So he committed adultery. He had his hand in the murder of Bathsheba's uh, uh, husband. And, and he is burdened with this guilt. His relationship with God is not right, and he knows it. And so he comes clean in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And here's the verse that I think we've all probably experienced this, and maybe some people even now are experiencing this. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. It's right there in front of me. It's on top of me. It's a burden. And my relationship with God is not in the right place because there's unconfessed sin in my life. And when we sense that, of course, it drives us to the mercy of God. It ought to drive you even tonight to take up a a weapon of righteousness, if you will, which is repentance and confession to be restored to a right place with God. And that's available to all of us here 
tonight. So we fight this battle for ourselves when we're not at peace with God, when we know that there's a burden of guilt that we're carrying around. Or maybe we're not at peace with another person. That's an indicator that something's off spiritually and we need to make that right. And that's part of the season of Lent is reconciliation with brothers and sisters, maybe even within our own family. Maybe there's strife within our own family between husbands and wives, between children's children and parents. And we need to think about that and lift that up to the Lord and make that right. Reconciliation, confession, repentance. That's part of the spiritual disciplines uh, of Lent. Well, um, what are some other ways to think about these weapons uh, of righteousness? Um, One, of course, like I said, is doing battle for ourselves. But another is to take up these weapons of righteousness for the sake of other people, for the sake of others, those who are lost in darkness. And that's really Paul's point here in this passage of, of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 6. He's talking about his ministry of reconciliation. He has this ministry to to preach the love of God in Christ Jesus to all people. He has this ministry to point out to people that we are made right in the eyes of God based on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, not what we do for him. So he says in verse 21, for our sake, he made him that is God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is how we are made right in the eyes of God, based on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, when we put our trust in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Paul talks about that in Romans 3, as the righteousness of God through faith that comes through faith. So that is Paul's message. That is the heart of his ministry. He wants to see people reconciled to God through Christ. And then he talks about what he does in order to carry out this ministry for the sake of others so that they might be reconciled to God through Christ. And that's what this list is all about. He says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And then he gives this list of his experience, of his character and of these different disciplines these weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left it's all for the sake of carrying out this ministry for others and um as you think about this and this is kind of what i uh, was pondering this week is what exactly does paul mean by weapons of righteousness and uh we don't know precisely because he doesn't define it here so uh that's really good for a preacher to say right we don't know exactly what he means here But we can look at some of his other writings where he talks like this, where he uses similar imagery. We can we can glean an idea or I think more than just glean an idea. We can have a pretty firm basis for understanding what he's talking about. So, for example, uh, he uses this imagery also in Romans 13, Romans 13, at the end of Romans 13, he uses imagery of weapons. Let me just read that to you. He says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of light. Or that could be translated weapons of light. The night, is, the night is, far, is far gone. The day is near. So let's lay aside deeds of darkness. People commit sin under the cover of darkness. Let's lay those aside and put on the weapons or the armor of light. And then he gets even more specific about what that means in this context. 
Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So there are certain behaviors that are appropriate to children of light, and there are certain behaviors that are inappropriate to those who belong to Jesus. And Jesus has put, or Paul says here, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't practice things like carousing and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, sensuality, strife with other people, and jealousy. God is calling us to resist these things that our flesh is tempted to go along with. So that's part of this battle. Friends, this is part of the spiritual battle is resisting these impulses, which our flesh is naturally attracted to these sorts of things. And so part of the spiritual battle is by the grace of God, by virtue of our union with Christ, we have this power to resist these sort of inclinations. So he says, make no provision for the flesh. Don't give any room in your life to these sorts of things. Be very careful about how you conduct your life so that your flesh is not attracted to these sorts of impulses and you give in to those impulses. It's like the story I've told before of the young boy with his hand in the cookie jar. You know, the, the mother bakes cookies after school for Johnny and Johnny smells these cookies. The aroma's wafting through the house and she says, now Johnny, I'm going to put these cookies in the cookie jar and you can't have any until after dinner and then she goes upstairs and what does Johnny do he goes into the kitchen and he starts getting the cookies out of the cookie jar and she hears the cookie jar being moved Johnny I said no cookies until after dinner what are you doing and he says my hands in the cookie jar resisting temptation (laughs) it doesn't work that way if your hands in the cookie jar it's it's usually too late And so, you know, Paul says, don't make any provision in your flesh. Don't give any space in your life. Be ruthless about fighting these sorts of impulses that want you don't want to drag you away or separate you from the life of God in Christ Jesus. We might think of the seven deadly sins as as uh, particularly temptations that we're all vulnerable to just by virtue of our fallen nature. You know, the seven deadly sins, pride, greed, lust, envy, anger, gluttony, and sloth. And sloth's interesting. Sloth is not just laziness. Sloth is basically apathy. Sloth means giving up on the world and giving up on God. It's despondency. It's despair. It's just saying, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. Um, The Roman Catholic Catechism defines sloth this way. To refuse the joy that comes from God. And be repelled by divine goodness. I don't even want to name or see or recognize the joy that comes from God. That's a temptation that sometimes we fall into. Sloth, despondency. And Paul's saying we, part of the spiritual battle here is recognizing these temptations in our life and resisting them by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. So, um, 
the other passage, another passage that's, I think, uh, appropriate to think about when we're thinking about these spiritual weapons of righteousness is Ephesians chapter six, which is Paul's classic passage on spiritual warfare. And, you know, this passage very well put on the full armor of God. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm against these spiritual powers of darkness. And then he lists the different elements, the different parts of the armor of God. And you're familiar with these, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes that are prepared, gospel shoes, shoes that are ready to take the gospel. The gospel of peace. Put on the gospel shoes. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the one offensive weapon in the armor of God. Everything else is a defensive piece of armor. But the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the offensive weapon. And so um, that is what we take up. We speak the word of God in the power of the spirit. And that is what advances the kingdom of God in this world. And that's what we're called to do as a church. This is not just individuals put on the full armor of God, but this is church as a corporate community put on the full armor of God. Take up the sword of the spirit and advance the kingdom of God in the world for the sake of others. No, to snatch other people out of the realm of darkness as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's not just about resistance. It's about advancement, advancing the kingdom of God as we stand in the armor of God. So I want you to think about this, uh, this Lenten season as a time to take up these weapons of righteousness for the sake of your own soul, but also for the sake of others. Uh, Lent is not, you know, we're not trying to prove to God or to other people or ourselves that we are righteous or pious by engaging in the practices of Lent. Um, Jesus makes it clear in the gospel reading, that's not what these practices are about. Prayer and fasting, these things are to be done in secret where your heavenly father sees and rewards in secret. It's about establishing that relationship with God so that we can grow in holiness and Christlikeness and advance the kingdom of God. So um, I just encourage you in that this Lenten season to be intentional about taking up some of these practices. You know, some of us maybe have to go to, back to basic training when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. Basic training in the army. I've never been in the army, but from what I know, understand, of the, one of the first things, one of the primary things is to get familiar with your weapon in basic training. You've you got to understand, you've got to be able to assemble and disassemble your gun. You've got to be able to shoot your gun from various positions, you know, in the foxhole, standing up. You've got to be a marksman. You've got to pass a marksman's test. It's just to get familiar with the weapon so that when you're in the battle, you know what to do. And then there are people who are more advanced, and they go on to more advanced training, and they go into the special forces. They're more skilled with the weapons. And there are people here in our congregation who are like the special forces of the spiritual life, <laughs> And, and, and they have, in a, in a sense, they have uh, passed the core curriculum of these spiritual disciplines. But some of us need to kind of go back to basics and those core spiritual disciplines of prayer and scripture reading to get strong in the Lord, to let the word of God retrain our thinking, 
And then those of us who, those of you who are more advanced in these things, maybe this Lenten season is a time where God is saying, I want you to become more bold. I want you to advance more. I want you to advance the gospel more. I want you to be more bold in your faith. I want you to look out for others who are, who are newer to this, who aren't as far as long as you are. Take them under your wings and mentor them for the sake of the kingdom. So wherever we're at in this, it's a time to be intentional, though, about taking up these weapons of righteousness, these spiritual disciplines. Let's pray. God, I, I pray that you'll help us to do that. We thank you that, um, that you have life for us and you have life that is abundant. You have power available to us to live a life that is uh, pleasing to you and that is a witness to others. And uh, you have called us as a church, as a church, to put on the armor of God and to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to advance the gospel, the light of the gospel into dark places. Help us to do that. Call us to that this Lenten season, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.